Well, welcome to the Disreputable Podcast. This is the nightly edition. Uh, my name is Brandon, and uh, we have a live audience here. We've switched up the location. Uh, we're excited. I'm here with my friend Rich. Thanks for being here, Rich. Thanks, Brandon. I'm excited <laughs> to be here. Glad you're with us. And uh, give yourself a hand for being uh, in the audience tonight. We've got a bunch of guys here. Come on, put your hands together. Yeah, thanks. Um, no, seriously, though, thanks for being here. Thanks for speaking at our church this weekend. Yeah, I appreciate that. Man. Privilege. Glad to be here. I know the people that are a part of our podcast, don't, not every one of them go to our church, so it's glad that um, that you're with us. And and just like always, make sure you subscribe, the whole thing, share. Um, but we have a mutual friend uh, outside of Dean Curry. Yeah, we do. His name is Shannon Cap. Yep. And... Um, I kind of wish he was here to actually do this interview. I feel like it would probably be way better. But uh, I don't know. We might not be able to post it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it is the disreputable <laughs> podcast. Okay. Perfect. Um, so let's start. We'll start here. And we'll we'll see where we go. And then uh, if you guys have any questions, we'd love to to hear from you. But when I when I say the word disreputable, is there anything that comes to your mind when it when when you hear that word? Maybe uh, from your past maybe from your press yeah i think of my name rich yeah yeah absolutely yeah. disreputable sure in what ways you wanted to get real like that fast yeah here we are <laughs> Bam, into it well i've had my reputation dragged through the mud yeah yeah so when i think of that when i was when i was a young man i cared about those things right. and the older that i got i got more dangerous what do you mean when you say dangerous? So I don't care. Do you feel like, okay, I appreciate that. Do you feel like at some point there's some type of like I care, but I, 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 cause I think there's going to be people listening from all ages yeah. and it's like, it's good to not care, but at what, and what areas do you forget about the personal development and personal growth to become who you're trying and aspiring to be, you know? Well, I think there's stages in life that we go through definitely seasons and when I say I don't care, I'm just at a point in my life when I'm not, I'm not trying to be someone. Right. I'm not trying to make a mark. Right. I'm more interested in helping other people at this stage, which ministry, that's what you're doing all along. But yeah. It's another stage of trying to help people. I'm not interested in trying to get my name out there. I'm not interested sure. in, in my reputation. Right. And so when I think about that, I'm, I'm more interested in who I really am. Right. I'm more interested in what my wife says and thinks about me. Yeah. And what my kids say and think about me, which my kids, unfortunately, are very honest. And, <laughs> Aren't they all? And uh, very uh, forthcoming. Yeah. And so uh, my daughters recently gave me a mug for Father's Day, and it says the man, the myth, and the legend. Nice. And my daughters are about to be 27 and 25. And so that might not seem like a big deal. And, yeah. and this is what I'm saying. This is what's important to me. Yeah. So that might not seem like a big deal because when your kids are small, they'll tell you that or get you assured or tell you you're the best dad in the world. But that's because they don't know you. Right. Yeah. But when they're adults and we've already gone through the things that we've gone through and they're, they know you. Yeah. And they know your shortcomings. They know your failures. They know your successes. They see them in a different light. And when they're grownups and they come and give you a cup that would seem like a silly cup. Yeah. It made a big impact on me. Yeah. And uh, they were happy to give it to me. It was a big deal to them. It was a big deal to me. Right. And so I'm more interested now in trying to help people. Not trying to sound uh, cliche, but I'd, I'd rather help other people, and I'm not interested in in my reputation because I'm not trying to put myself out there. Yeah, explain to everyone what you do. 
kind of a little bit of your background maybe and um i'm a pastor okay. I, I pastor a church it's called destiny christian church we planted it uh april 1st will be 20 years wow, so 20 years ago man. thanks and then um before that i was a youth pastor i used to test weapons for the military for a contractor and uh then they offered me a chance to be a youth pastor for $25,000 a year. And I was like, I'm never going to pass that up, right? So <laughs> cashed out all my retirement and went all in for Jesus yeah. and, and uh, started doing that. And then I got fired. So they asked me, they said, can you bring a revival to our youth? I said, yes, I can. And then we did. And then they said, yeah, you can't do that here. So instead of revival fire, I got revival fired. Yeah, I, and, I understand Our church that. was birthed out of that. Wow. And the pastor that fired me helped me plant my church. Wow. Not with money but with encouragement and yeah. nice words. Yeah, absolutely. So that was cool. And so that's how we started our church. So we've been doing that. And now I'm a pastor of a church in Yuma that we originally planted and then also one in Phoenix. Yeah. And I do a lot of mission stuff around the world. So. Yeah. Who is, who is Jesus to Rich? Jesus is to me, he's the same today as the day that I met him when I got saved. I got saved at a Catholic charismatic prayer meeting. Okay. Yeah. They That's unique. brought me down front to lay hands on me so I could speak in tongues. A, a, a Catholic sitting at a Catholic? Catholic charismatic prayer meeting yeah. on a Tuesday night in Yuma, Arizona. <laughs> and I was a heathen. Yeah. Well, and, time, uh, come on. What heathen? What, what do you mean? We got a lot of people with different stories. Heathen like you were, you're lying a couple times a week or? No, you, it's worse you, than that. So. Let's just say me and the police were, we'd met. First name basis. Abs 100% <laughs> that's true. Okay. So anyway, um, when I went to that meeting, a specific thing I remember is going to the meeting and the people were worshiping and I was watching them worship and they were raising their hands and I thought, there's no way yeah. I'm going to raise my hands. And it wasn't because I thought they were weird. Right. I actually thought those people are doing it right, but they're way better than me. All these people are better than me. Right. And that, I'm not trying to be humble. They were better than me. Sure. And then there was a part of the song that said, raise your hands and sacrifice as you worship the Lord. And so I thought, well, sacrifice is something that you don't want to do, but you do it because you care. And I thought, well, that's, I, I'm going to try that. Right. So I raised my hands like about literally, not even above my waist. Yeah. But to me, that was a huge thing. It was like, yeah. it, was a, it was a process that night of me getting saved. Right. And so that happened, and I started to cry, and I didn't cry. Like, I cried when I was born. And that was it. There were no crying at my house. My dad was a Marine. He was in Vietnam. He wouldn't be no crying. So, so um, I started to cry, and I was like, something's happening. And then somebody said, hey, this young man came tonight because he wants the gift of tongues. And I was like, huh, wait, what? Yeah. And then I thought, all right, let's do this, let's do this thing. And the guy pulled me aside and he said, do you believe Jesus is the son of God? And I said, and I had read the Bible. Sure. I actually had read the Bible. Because did you have a, a, a little bit of a history? Zero. Zero, okay. Didn't so you, go to church. Gotcha. I worked for the military, which means you don't do anything. Yeah, okay. A lot of times. You're a lot of downtime when you're testing weapons. Right. So I would read. So I read the Bible because I thought I was a Christian. Uh -huh. And then I read the Bible again because I didn't think I got it the first time. And I didn't. Right. So the second time through in the book of Acts, I started reading about the Holy Spirit falling on the church. And so somebody told me, well, go to the Catholic church. They do that. And I was like, okay. I literally didn't know the difference between Catholic and Protestant. Right. They told me I was a Protestant. I'm like, I'm not protesting anybody. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was hundred. I thought Martin Luther and Martin Luther Jr. King, King Jr. were the same person. <laughs> and they just weren't. That's honest truth. Yeah. Like I had not a clue about anything. 
So a guy pulled me aside and he said, do you believe Jesus is the son of God? And I said, yeah. And he yeah. said, do you believe he died on the cross for you? And I said, yeah, I believe that. He said, do you accept him as your savior? Yeah. And I said, yeah. And he said, do you know what we're going to do right now? And I said, no. No. <laughs> and he said, do you still want to do it? I said, yeah. And he goes, all right, let's go. And so uh, long story short, I had a revelation of Jesus that night wow. because I thought, I don't know how many people feel like this, but I always thought, even though I was a very bad person, like I was a bad person and cause I was angry and I hurt people and I was just a bad person. And, but I always thought this, but deep down I'm good Yeah. Okay. and people just don't know me. And I, and I think a lot of people think that, and they, I don't think people say it to try to trick people. I think we believe it a lot of times. Right. And so I believe that. But when I had a revelation, when those people were praying for me and I knew who Jesus was, uh -huh. the first thing he did is show me like the depth of my own heart. And I realized I am not good. I'm bad to the core. Like I am a horrible person. And I was terribly embarrassed. I was ashamed to be in the presence of God. And then I felt the power of God and the presence of God. And I didn't honestly didn't know if he would kill me. I felt like I could die. And, uh, but I was also happy at the same time. Yeah. So I was scared and felt safe. Right. And so that night I had a radical conversion and that was, you know, when I was 23. So almost 30 years ago and wow, just been rocking it till the wheels fall off. Yes. Yeah. That was it. And so I still feel today when Spurgeon said something, I think it was Spurgeon. Somebody wrote something about him in the newspaper and they said, well, can you believe they said this about you? And he said, I know worse things about me than they could ever write. Yeah in a newspaper and so I'm not hiding some big dark ugly sin I just know who I am at the core of my person yeah. at times and I still feel like Jesus is still that good uh -huh. I need that light deep down in my heart like not I, I don't I don't need religious stuff I, I, I need the Lord yeah. to continue to be with me and forgive me in it and I know that's that sound like preacher talk but that's a lot of years of just living that yeah. you know in my life I still feel like that I People would tell me that I was prideful because I'm, I'm, I'm a confident person, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man, right? I'm a man. And you know how we're raised. We're raised, you gotta be tough, you know, you gotta do your thing. Right. And so I am very confident and prideful about some things, but I'm not prideful about the things of God. Right. And when people would say you're prideful, I would always tell them, you don't even know what you're talking about because I don't feel like I'm worthy even today to speak even like I did at church tonight or to be here talking about Jesus with you guys. I don't, I'm not. I'm not an expert. I'm a guy that's doing it. I'm, I'm not one of these guys up here. I'm a trench guy. I'm just a guy that lives down the trenches with people. And I'm like, guys, let's just keep going this way. And, and that's my real heart for people. And yeah. I still feel like that. And so I talk to the Lord because I need him yeah. more than when I got saved. I still, I need him more now because I have responsibility. Uh -huh. I, I mean, there's a, you know, I don't know how many people end up watching this. and But there's for sure people out there that don't follow Jesus. They have no idea, just like you had no idea. You mentioned just a few moments ago uh, the difference in, like, religion um, versus something other than religion, right? Which, mm -hmm. you know, if, you've, if you're around the church, it's like, oh, yeah, relationship, sure. But, like, would you call it relationship? If you, what, what is, okay, so it's not religion. So then what is it? Well, I think it's like any term, you have to define it, right? And so religion can be used in a negative sense. So it could also be used in a positive sense. A lot of the great writers about revivals and stuff talk about religion, you know, stop work and let the men tend to religion. You know, that's a positive 
right. quote, you know, and so religion doesn't have to be bad in that context. So I think in the Christian context, we're talking about going through the motions, uh-huh. you know, faking something like really, especially we're talking to men today. We're here with guys, a bunch of guys. You think about what is it to be a Christian? You know, they're like, don't say bad words, you yeah. know, <laughs> get that anger problem under control, yeah. you know, and, and make sure you don't smoke cigarettes and, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah. it's funny because it's, the Bible doesn't really talk about that stuff a whole lot. And Jesus wasn't known for what he didn't do. Right? Like Jesus wasn't Mormon. Sure. Right. Mormons are known for what they don't do. Right. Jesus was known for what he did. Jesus right. didn't get killed by the Romans for what he didn't do. Right. It's good. Well, you're not saying bad words, Jesus. We're going to crucify him. They crucified him because of what he did. Right. And they killed the martyrs throughout the ages, which the Bible says we weren't even worthy that they should walk among us. Uh-huh. Right. And they killed them not for what they didn't do. They killed them for what they did. Yeah. And so being a Christian is my relationship with Christ. And the most important thing is knowing him. And after knowing him, it's just making him known. Yeah. doesn't mean I have to follow a program, but I need to just let my life, you know, show people who Jesus is. And, and I think that's, that's a real, that's real biblical Christianity yeah. versus what's happening in America today. And, and I love the church, man. I mean, that's, I give my life for the church, but it's in bad condition right now because we, I think we've kind of lost the way in the sense that Jesus's last command was to go and make disciples. Right. And that should be the church's first priority. Right. And a lot of times that's not the priority of the church. And, and that's one of the things I love about, about Dean and I love about our church, you know, is that Dean is about Jesus. Like it, it doesn't matter what you know or think about Dean. Right. No one would ever question that that man is about Jesus 100%. That's the goal right. all the time. And I love that, right? Yeah. Church needs to get back about that. When you're about Jesus, what are you about? Reaching lost people. That's why Jesus came. Uh-huh. So, yeah. that's... How did you, in, in your story, because maybe people can relate. I'm sure people watching can relate. How did you let go of some of those, what I will call disreputable, shameful uh, events that may have tried to, from that day at that Catholic charismatic moment, you know? You still had to kind of yeah. like, yeah. you still had to navigate through life, you yeah. know? and. I, how how did you shake off, if you will, release, let go of those hurts? Well, I think a lot of times we say stuff in church that it's just cultural stuff and it's bad theology. It makes people feel good, if you will. Well, it gives people false hope and then they feel like they're not saved because of this. Give your life to Jesus. Everything will be better. Lie. Bible never says that. Sure. Right. There's a good chance your life is going to get way harder. Yeah. And you can, if you do it right, you should suffer a little. Not that we're trying to suffer. Right. Nobody wants, I'm not trying to suffer, but that's the consequences of doing it right. Yeah. Because remember the guy we're following, he got killed for doing it perfect. Right. Yeah. So we think in America that if everybody likes you, then you're doing it right. Yeah. Well, that means Jesus did it wrong then. Right. So this is one of the things I think is important. When I gave my life to the Lord, there were things that the Lord miraculously took right out of my life. And there were a whole bunch of things he left right in there that I could walk them out in faith and discipline and grow like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think the reality is I, I saw a guy one night come in our church to, to the altar. And he had a plastic bag in his hand and I, we had the altar call to get saved. And he said, I came here to get saved. I said, what's the bag for? And he said, I'm kicking heroin right now. Wow. And I said, well, why didn't you just stay at home? And then we would have came. He said, no, the Lord told me I had to come to church. Uh-huh. And so he came to church and we were praying. And he had the bag because he was puking in it during the service. And when we had the altar call, 
he got delivered from heroin addiction holding a bag of his puke at the altar in the church. Yeah. And guess what? The Lord left a whole bunch of stuff in there in his life that he still had to walk out right. and figure it out. But the Lord does that by his grace. Sometimes he just, we all have had things that he just takes out of our life, but there's things that he doesn't. Yeah. We got to walk those things out. You know, that's part of the deal. And I think that's a real thing yeah. that we need to tell people. It's, you know, you're in for it. Yeah. You know, let's go. So how much of it, according to you, so, so it would, it was life transformation. It was understanding the biblical truth that it's not going to be easy. Then how much then is it in encouraging other people? When you say discipleship, would you say discipleship and mentorship would, would follow the same suit? Or would you classify those as a little different? I, I think discipleship includes mentorship. Okay. But I don't think mentor, mentorship on its own could qualify as discipleship. You could have a baseball coach that, and you have a batting coach in baseball. And I tell people this. Some people think when they start off as a Christian that you're going to get a lot of help and a lot of, you know. And the farther you go, we think we need less help. <clears throat> But if you watch a professional baseball player with a hitting coach, yeah. they get more help from a coach than a kid playing Little League. When they're playing Little League, they're saying, watch the ball, watch the ball, yeah. stay in there, keep your head on the ball. And when you're a professional, they're saying, turn your hips a little quicker, get that hand up, keep your elbow up, follow through on the ball, turn your head to the left, make yeah. sure you do this, lift your chin a little higher. Do, and you, hear, you will hear 50 things. Right. So we think the higher we get, the less coaching, the less discipleship that we need. But the truth is, the higher we get, the more refined we can become to be what? More effective. Because that, sure. guy's, but that guy's listening to his coach. Now, check this out. That coach cannot hit one pitch that's going to be thrown in the game. Right. That's a coach. Right. That's not discipleship. Right. Discipleship, you've got to be able to do it. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you have to have every gift that the people that you're leading have, but you have to have gone to that level of commitment. You can't send them up mountains that you've never been up personally. And so discipleship is like Paul said, follow me as I'm following Christ. Uh -huh. I'm following Jesus. You follow me. So if there's not Jesus people that would be listening to this podcast and they're like, yeah, okay, that's great. What is it from your perspective that would say to that person or those people, you gotta follow Jesus. Yeah, you do have to. Yeah, okay. Let me I would say it like this. You gotta follow Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. <Yeah. laughs> That's no, what I would seriously. say. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you need him. People don't think they need him and it's based on felt need and what I'm going through in my life. and. That's not what it is. Here's, here's, the real, here's the theological perspective. Jesus is the only one in the universe that is worthy to rule and reign as God supreme and to receive worship from the entire universe. He is the only one. Uh -huh. Everyone else is unauthorized. Uh -huh. Everything else is idolatry. I can prove it to you. Lust is never satisfied. I'm not talking about sexual lust, but it could be. Lust is any unlawful desire, right? right. Lust is never satisfied. You cannot fulfill it. It will never be finished. 
A man could say, I'm going to conquer the earth. He could conquer the earth. And when he's done, he would look up at the stars and say, I'm going to conquer the stars. And, and there was someone that said that. They wanted to do that, a great conqueror. And, and he would want to conquer the stars. But if he could conquer the stars, he wouldn't stop there. He would never stop until he was the Lord of the entire universe and everyone worshipped him. And when they did, he would be disgusted with himself because he would know he wasn't worthy. And the whole universe would know that he wasn't worthy. Uh -huh. By the way, it's not an original thought. That's Charles Finney. But anyway, so the concept with that is there's only one who's able to receive worship. Uh -huh. Everything else is false. And so the things that we chase after in our life, it's not about fulfillment. It's about right. Yeah. We chase after things in our life. They're not fulfilling because they're not right. They're not supposed to be. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm playing the devil's advocate, although it. I'm a pastor, you know, but at the same time, I'm trying to think through the lens of a non-believer and say like, yeah, I mean, that sounds great for you. I, I got a pretty good marriage, you know, own, own my business. We're doing all right. Um, you know, I've gone, I've been to a few Catholic services, seem kind of boring to me. You're telling me I'm going to submit to this thing Right. And and my life's potentially going to get worse. And there's no potential about that. Yeah. It's OK. Guaranteed. So my life's going to get worse. And yet you're saying if you do it right, I for sure. I got to I got to follow this person. Right. Except I don't tell people that you you allow them to discover it. I don't tell for them sure. anything, really. I, so do you I, think I that's a difference I'll, in discipleship I'll, I'll and mentorship? You, no, I'll tell you what I do. No, I. Is that I'll tell you what I do that I don't think is a model. Okay. Some things are great as a ministry that could be on a scale of 1 to 10. They could be a 10. Right. But as a model, they would be a 0. Perfect example is, uh, what's the guy's name in Phoenix, big church? Tommy Barnett. Yeah. He has this huge bus ministry. Yeah, big and, shout out to Dean. In and the so, back. yeah, hi, hi Dean. You, <laughs> if you go, Tommy Barnett as a ministry is a 10. As a model... That's a zero. If you buy a bunch of buses, you'll have a parking lot full of buses. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Some things God put on him to do his thing, but it's not something that's able to be copied. Yeah. Right. Good. It's just what God did. Right. So with me, people talk to me no matter where I'm at. Yeah. And they ask me about the Lord no matter where I'm at. So I don't, I don't initiate those type of conversations. I just don't. They just happen. A uh, perfect example. I was at a biker bar um, by my house where I live in Cave Creek. Okay. And which... Seems a little unique. You brought it up. You brought it up, yeah. so I'll talk. Okay. Right? I can. Well, so you're at, um, a, you're at a biker bar. Yeah. Well, because somebody watching is going like, hmm, that seems different. Cool. It is. So I like to smoke cigars. They let you do that. Yeah. I like to drink a little bourbon. And they let you do that there, too, because it's a bar. Okay. Yeah. And they play blues all the time, live blues. And, that's I, your, and I like that. I kind of took you for more of like a Drake guy, but I don't know. Yeah, you know, kind of. <laughs> 50-50, yeah, just depends, you know, the vibe, yeah, right? So, okay. Yeah. So I was hanging out there one day, and it was on a Sunday. It was a late afternoon. I'd been to church in the morning. I was wearing my, my biker gear, riding my motorcycle there. You know, I was there with my wife and a yeah. couple of friends. Were you guys there? With that group that called me over. <laughs> no, you weren't there. So this big biker guy, okay, big steroided biker guy, him and steroids had been acquainted also. All right. And he says, hey, Rick, come over here. Well, my name is Rich. Right. <laughs> I thought I've known I was him saying for, it wrong. I've, nope, I've known him for years, and for some reason, he can't get it right. So he calls me Rick. He goes, come over here. And I said to my wife, that's one of my favorite things, being summonsed. 
summoned, yes, you know, by yeah. people. And I said, here, hold my cigar. I'm going to go find out what this guy wants. So I went over there, and he's a friend of mine. I said, hey, what's happening? He goes, hey, guys. And he puts his arm around me. He's big, too. And I'm 5'7", so he's towering over me. He says, this is my friend Rick that I was telling you about. <laughs> Rick is a preacher. Yeah. And this is 10 or 11 men and women that are bikers, you know. And, he, and they're like, oh, cool. And he goes, Rick, it's Sunday. You got a good word you could share with us for a few minutes? In the middle of the biker bar. Yeah. Bands playing. Right. It's loud. Right. A couple hundred people there. Sure. And uh, Pre-COVID. I said what I always say. I said, well, I don't want to impose on everybody that's here because you're asking. I said, guys, I don't, I don't want to do that to you guys. And all of them, no, go ahead. We want to hear it. Wow. Yeah. And I said, okay. So I started talking to them about when the Israelites went to the bitter waters and it reflected their life and that Moses, God told them to put the wood in there and the wood symbolizes the cross. And we've all been through bitter moments in our life, but you're not supposed to stay there. You're supposed to move from there and that you put the cross in that and it took the bitterness out of the water and it became sweet and that God could heal their life. And it's all about the cross. And I told them that in probably three minutes and they were just, and we were in a huddle. They yeah. huddled up. Yeah. So we're in a huddle. And they were, I could tell that God was doing something. And so I said, hey, would it be okay if I pray over you guys real quick? They all said, yeah. They all bowed their head and closed their eyes. These people do not go to church. Right. And so I'm praying for them, and I just ask God to bless them, give them a revelation of that. And they were so happy, and they're all hugging me. And then one of the guys said, hey, man, we'll talk to you about my life. Shared with me a lot about his life. And he said, man, I want to get a, a Bible verse right here. It's Palms. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> like, he literally called it Palms. And, and, and again, I'm not making fun of this guy. No, He doesn't go to church. Right. But he thinks about a Bible verse that he wants on his body. Yeah. He's talking to me about it. I mean, it's just, so I don't put that out there as a model. Sure. But I don't go trying to get people but when they ask me we get down to it i mean if they ask me and they want to know that i'm going to tell them yeah the truth because i don't have an option yeah right charles finney said if i require less of you than scripture then i've made myself a pope and granted you an indulgence uh -huh. Uh -huh. so people that know probably history would probably yeah. some people might not know what that means but it means you don't get a free pass and it's not up to me because i didn't write the book right and i'm not jesus so i don't get to make those things right so in just a moment, I'll give these guys a, a chance to ask a few questions. Um, but I hear unique gift, everybody watching, listening, sitting in this room that has been created by God has a unique gift, one that is, you know, catered, it's catered to them, right? At what point in your journey from the prayer meeting to sitting here tonight did you honestly become confident comfortable okay with i don't you know i don't know what the word is uh with rich's assignment call of god on your life was it 10 years into the journey was it like it was about five minutes <laughs> i didn't want anyone touching me and maybe this is a story that guys can relate to i grew up with my dad and like I said, he was a Marine, and he's saved now. He's awesome. But I remember he was watching boxing one day, and it was his birthday. And my mom said, hey, it's your dad's birthday. Give him a kiss. And I was three years old. So I jumped on my dad's lap, and I was trying to kiss him, but he was looking around me trying to watch boxing. Uh -huh. And when he saw what I was doing, he pushed me off on the floor. And he said, you don't kiss me, boy. I'm a man. You don't, you don't kiss me like that. Uh -huh. I was three years old. You can't process that, right? Yeah, totally. 
So I didn't realize this till years later after I'd gotten saved. But when I started getting my early teens, I didn't want anyone touching me. Like at all. Not even friends. I didn't want my friends touching me. A guy met me and like slapped me on the shoulder. And I told him I would stab him if he touched me again. And he was like, well, you got issues. And I was thinking, you have issues. Who goes around touching people? <laughs> well, everybody, because it's normal, right? <laughs> and so the night that I got saved, one of the issues that I had is everybody started laying hands on me. Mm. And I started hating them. Mm. I started really like manifesting some bad stuff. And when the presence of God came on my life, I hugged every single person in that room before I left. They couldn't get out of that building. I hugged every person. And I've been hugging everybody since then. I never stop hugging people. I hug people all the time. Some people don't like it. And I'm like, well, you're broken. I'm, I'm not. I mean, there's, we hug people we love. That's what we do. And so I hug people because I love people. Yeah. So I have no issue with it. And so with that type of thing in your life, we have to go back. We have to understand that, that a lot of us are broken. We got to get that stuff fixed, right? right? So that night when I hugged everybody, I knew I was going to be a pastor. I didn't even know what a pastor did, but I knew I was going to be one. And so the next day I went and I prayed with one of my friends to give his life to Jesus. Wow. And so that day at work, I was the next day I was preaching at work and I, w I didn't call it preaching. I was just telling people what happened. Yeah. And the second day after I went to tell another friend about Jesus and he said, that's awesome. Don't ever talk to me about that again. Don't ever come to my house again. And so two days after I got saved, a friend that I'd known from t since I was four years old has never talked to me again since that day and so i never have stopped leading people to jesus because yeah so i never there wasn't no time and i never worried about a gift i just loved jesus and wanted people to know him yeah that's awesome man questions Do you have any any out here in the live audience i have a question for you go for it so you said you were you had been drugged through the mud before yeah and obviously you've been knocked down how do you get back up My answer is probably not going to be a good answer. <laughs> Do it. People in my family have had some hard times with some things, and they had hard times recovering from it. And my brother told me, well, you know why you didn't? And I said, why? And he said, because you're too mean. And so part of that was I was so angry that I wasn't willing to quit. So I had, the, I love Jesus and the responsibility that I have for my church. But I was also so mad that I didn't want anybody to, to beat me. And so there was a tough season in my life. And I talk about this sometimes that the thing that helps you survive, survival will do some ugly things. The same thing that kept you alive in a dangerous situation can kill you after that. So if you go to combat, if, if any of you have been in the military, you go to combat, everything that you have to do to stay alive in combat, the mentality, the attitude, everything, those things will keep you alive, but when you come home, those things will destroy your family and destroy your life. If you don't understand, I made it, I, I have to go back. So when, when they were traveling out west, they circled the wagons when they were attacked. Mm -hmm. But at some point, they had to uncircle the wagons and move again. And I think a lot of us get stuck circling the wagon and the thing that saved us will kill us. And so I was so angry, like angry, and it helped. And some people say anger's not, they just don't know anything about anger. They're childish. They don't know how to deal with anger. Anger helped me to get through a lot of stuff. And then there was a day I was like, this is becoming destructive. I need to leave this behind. And I did. I walked out of it with the grace of God, yeah. with the help of people around me. But, but it's a real thing. And so part of it is I just refused to quit. I wasn't going to give up. Yeah. And I had a guy offer me 
a million dollars to walk away from my church. He said, I'll put a million dollars in your missions and you can walk away. And I said, great, man. Sounds good. He said, really? I said, yeah, all we got to do is get Jesus on board because he put me here and I can't walk away, but I'm with you. So if you can get Jesus to say yes, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in, but the number's 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> he got pissed. <laughs> so I think some of the thing is, is there's a time to be alone, to pull back. You have to, to recover and get through things, but you have to keep moving. And, and some yeah, people focus right. on themselves and get stuck. You, you have to keep focusing on this is where I'm going, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, it's a complex answer because it, it depends on the situation. The person's multifaceted, right? obviously. But one of the things, man, is don't give up. Just look, man, if you don't, if you don't give up, you win. That's the great right. thing about Christianity. If you don't give up, you win. Just don't give up. And if you give up, get back up. Right. And then you still win. Just don't quit. There were terrible days in my life that I thought about doing terrible things, even as a Christian, as a pastor. There were times that I wanted to quit, but I couldn't because of the conviction. And I'm just telling you right now, don't quit. And if you did quit, just get back up and let's go. And if people say, what about this? Say, yeah, so what? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh -huh. And if they say anything else, say, you know what? Too bad, man. Survival's ugly. Can I, can I ask a question? Sorry, if you yeah. have other questions. And I, we don't have to go too much longer. But I, can, I understand that language, right? I understand that kind of talk. I appreciate that coaching. I, I lived for those moments. I don't know if every man has that well i gotta get some nuts <laughs> i mean because at some point no, it's like oh here's yeah, the problem here's the problem you, you you brought up the problem really because yeah. we're not raising men to be men and and men need to be raised to be courageous it doesn't mean that we don't fail it doesn't mean that we don't cry by the way i cry when i worship i cry i i don't care when people get saved i cry when god <laughs> touches my life i cry i don't right. i have no issue with it i don't care one right. bit but we need to raise men that they need to be courageous again to be who God's called them to be and, yeah. and to be who God's called them to be in our culture and in our families. And, yeah. and so that's part of it. It's like, hey, we don't quit. Right. You know why? Not because you're a loser, but because you're not a loser. Right. Because you're, there's a champion inside of you and you can't quit. You're not allowed to quit. Yeah. Like suck it up and let's go. And then that's why I was talking about tonight. We need the church because we have to, you have to help each other. Uh -huh. There's nobody that's, nobody gets to make it on their own and get to heaven and say, look, I did it all by myself. That's. I don't think there's anybody here that thinks that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, one more. I got a question for you. Yeah. Where do you see your ministry going in the next five years? Where do you want it to go? Underground what does it look like? and dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. I've been training my church in cell groups since its inception. I like that word inception. Cell, cell groups. Cell groups, yeah. We don't change what we do based on what radical Muslims do. Gotcha. Okay. So we're cell groups. We're not house churches. We are cell groups. And uh, we train, our whole church is a cell-based church. So our ministry happens in the homes, but we also have weekend yeah. stuff too. But we've been, I've been telling my church for 20 years, if anything, because I work in third world countries with the underground church. And I worked in countries where there was uh, military coups while I was there and attempts and, and some that were successful. And, and I was involved with the church there helping them. And they happened to be fighting the government which I'm, just for the record, to the FBI, I'm not trying to fight the government, like, just leave me alone. So, <laughs> but what we need to, I see my church being more um, leader-led, decentralized power, power through the people,
power in the homes, dynamic leadership in the homes, and less stage-based. So, um, yeah. I mean, I've done some other stuff. I did it. When my church was my biggest, it was the grossest. When my church was the biggest, I hated it the most. Mm. And so... Because we attracted a lot of people that just came for the show. And so we focused on excellence because it's a great principle to live by. But then the excellence started driving it instead of being spirit-driven with excellence. It just became for the sake of excellence. And people came that weren't really interested in, in Jesus as much. And so, right. and, and the funny thing is you think sometimes, this is what I thought. I thought, well, we'll have the really committed, then we'll have the less committed, and then some people that come once in a while, and then the city, and then like that. And I thought, we'll just get the people to move closer to the core. Uh -huh. But I never envisioned that when we did that, that people in the core would see these other levels as options. And I saw ah. committed people going backwards. Yeah. And I said, no, that's not my ministry. So, yeah. so I see our church being more leader-led. And when I say leader, I'm talking about um, people in the church being leaders. Yeah leading in their homes. Did they answer the question or did I evade it? No, it's good. <laughs> I like the first part. Okay. Underground oh, yeah. and dynamic. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm about underground, man. Yeah, I am. Was, I am that was, a rebel to the core, bro. I'm like, I, that's why I hang out with Dean. Dean's a rebel. <laughs> he is. No, Dean. He's not, hey, in closing, tell him why you, you told me today the difference between a maverick and a rebel. I read an article years, probably 20 years ago that a lot of leaders in the church today misidentify mavericks okay. as rebels. And anytime they see anyone with a maverick spirit where they want to run and they want to go wild, and what they do is they try to tame them and they snip them, cut their nuts off, and then hold them responsible for not reproducing. Uh -huh. Right. And it's because they see mavericks as rebels. Mm -hmm. And they said, but mavericks and rebels are different because... Rebels never build anything. Maverick, mavericks always inspire and they build. Wow. And so there's a difference between a maverick and a rebel. And I think we need to, we need to encourage men in the church to rise up and to be who God called them to be. Like, you don't have to fit our mold. Right. Let's go. Who are you? Right. You know, be you. We'll, we'll cheer you on. Because we need all of us, mm -hmm. right? We need all of us to be who we are. And we were talking about my gift with these biker guys coming and talking to me. All we have to do is all be available in our lives and we'll see that the people around us will ask us and will talk to us and we can share our faith with people in a very natural setting, way more organic and less program, right? And, and I think that if we all are open to that, mm -hmm. then we can reach everyone. Yeah. Because all of us have access to people that each other don't, right? Yeah, and so, absolutely. Because I'll say this. Go for it. No, when you first hear this, you're not going to like it, but hang in there. Now, I feel like now we're really getting into the good stuff, you know? Yeah. It's like <laughs> There's no one in this room that is significant enough to change the world. How dare you? Now, I don't know you all that well. Percentage-wise, I'm on the money. <laughs> you can prove me wrong. <laughs> now, when you hear that, you might get mad because church is like, you want to sing, I want to be a history maker. You know, We always sing that song, and I always think, oh. not going to happen. Does that bother anybody? Because I, I think it's funny. Here's why. Some people are like, no, I never thought I was going to be anybody anyway. Yeah, right. That's low self-esteem. Right. That's the other side That's of the spectrum. <laughs> but yeah. here's why I bring it up. Because the truth is, and, and this is how God planned it, is that there's not one of us that's going to change the world, but together 
we can seriously impact the world. That's, yeah, that's, that's not a pep talk. It's a real thing. A small group of men getting together, trying to make an impact. Right. Not, not can, will make an impact. And that can grow. And you can literally impact the world. That's what Jesus did. He left 12 guys. Yeah. And a matter of fact, there's a story, obviously not true, but there's a story that says Jesus went to heaven and the angels said, so what's your plan for the earth to be saved? And Jesus said, those 12 guys... <laughs> and the angel said and so what's the plan if that doesn't work and the story says Jesus said I don't have another plan Yeah, his plan has always been right. men working together to make an impact and none of us look it's not good for us anyway none of us is supposed to change the world but together we can make impacts that can be bigger and we can change that's a real thing uh-huh. and so and I think that's a biblical thing right yeah well, um, he, Rich is going to be around for the guys that are in the audience if you guys want to chat with him. But if maybe there's people that are watching and like, man, I love this dude. I want to reach out to him. How can people find you outside of like – I'm hiding. I don't know. Yeah, you're underground. <laughs> underground well, I'm in dynamic. Facebook jail. Usually I'm out. I got out another 30 Okay, days. You're Facebook out again? Jail. Yeah, I'm out again. Oh, gosh. Not on parole. I don't know how long. Is Let's there like see. an email maybe they could, you know? Dude, the truth is like they nail me every time no matter what <laughs> I say. People are like, I'm going to come to your house and kill you. One guy said, I'm going to skin you alive and all this stuff. And I respond on Facebook like, nope, that's bullying. You're gone 30 days. I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay, so like, seriously, no one can reach out to you. If you want to find, <laughs> if you want to find me, we have a podcast called Warriors and okay. Wild Men. Perfect. Warriors and Wild Men Have a co-host. Dean's been on the podcast. Yeah, it was awesome, and, and that was great. The episodes that he was with us. So Warriors and Wild and okay. then you can find me on Instagram or so. I don't know how much I'm on there, but yeah. If you message me, I message back. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, thank you. Thanks for your time. I appreciate you. And uh, thanks you to everybody that's here. Thank you to everyone that's watching. Um, And we love you so much. Have a great rest of your evening or day or morning whenever you're watching. Disreputable. Out. (laughs) 